Okay, so like the voice of God himself? Uh, herself is 2022. <laughs> uh, you know what they've been asking me for the past few weeks? They've been asking me, hey, where's Navjeet? Uh, tell them that I've been way too busy because I've been trying to, let's say, do more things. Do more business. Let's put it shortly. Well, damn. <laughs> I suppose we're going to be uh, finding the Sikh version of Donald Trump. Uh, but only with one wife, eh? preferably. Trump doesn't drink or smoke, <laughs> so there's some commonality there. <laughs> commonality there. <clears throat> so... Basically, the things which have started this particular episode, I mean, for a recap over the last few weeks, we uh, we have witnessed the return of that stupid idiot, Puneet Sahani, back to Twitter, and the first thing he's done already is started taking the five kakars. But uh, interestingly enough, so first we uh, interviewed Professor Jagmohan Singh Ji Gill, and he confirmed that the Eastern Sikhs have had the five kakars even before the British came. Did you pick up that part? I did. And then Dr. Jaginder Singh Jitej Khurana basically confirmed that even before the British came, even before the Singh Sabha started, the Afghan Sikhs have a long history of preserving the five Ks, that there was a point where Abdali uh, banned them, and it was a... Uh, offense punishable by death if you wore the 5Ks in Afghanistan. So basically the thing I've seen with Sahani is that like uh, most of these pseudo wannabe scholars on Sikh history, they will, you know, just like Dr. Zakar Naik, they will randomly ramble off all these uh, sources and quotes. But the reality is when you look at those sources themselves, they essentially contradict the narrative they're building pretty much. Do you think... If I want to source a book or if I, if I want to reference a book to you or to anybody, shouldn't I have the moral duty to read the entire book myself first? <clears throat> well, I mean, from what I, I'm saying... I, I, I might quote you a thing or two or maybe a page number or two because somebody else told me to, but in the same book, it could be contradictory information to what I'm, what I'm projecting. I don't think they're out to read the information, but what they want to do is create a controversy even among Sikhs themselves where such a texts which might have genuinely authentic information is rejected straight away. And basically the Sikhs cut off their own feet, if you know what I mean. It's better to make the enemy uh, cut off their own feet to deplete their own resources rather than you having to do the hard work yourself. That's an age-old strategy. Age-old strategy. Now, <clears throat> moving on from there, uh, I suppose when we talk about this episode, it started from the aspect that uh, there was an article put up on the Substack, and it was called, uh, you know, Killing Your Inner Victim, something along those lines. Am I correct? You are correct, as usual. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, anyway... This article pretty much exploded all across social media. Mm -hmm. And the reason became was there was massive uh, criticism about it as well that uh, 
inner victims here, yeah, the cry of hubris, that's the name of the article on um, Substack. So the cry was that this mental for mental health. <clears throat> now, either the kids nowadays are pansies or either we are missing something down here. That article which discusses that, you know, your uh, inner sense of victimhood this uh, inner desire for empathy, this attention-seeking all the time, you need to get rid of it because that's ego. So basically what I did was I considered what Habris is, you know, <clears throat> what Ankar is, and I gave it this form of, you know, an inner victim, right? This inner voice which is always being a victim. And to get forward in life, you have to kill your inner victim. Now, can I give you an example recently? Go ahead. So without naming her, there is a lawyer in the USA, a Sikh uh, training wannabe lawyer, because most of them end up becoming lawyers. I mean, no offense to the US Sikhs, but the amount of lawyers they're churning out who do jackal is uh, pretty amazing. I mean, you know, the law was once a very reputed profession, but now it's just become that if your kid's useless, well, all they have to do is, you only have to bark in the courts. You might as well become a lawyer. There is a financial, uh, you know, return uh, always guaranteed, irrespective of you winning a case or not winning a case. And I mean to uh, paraphrase Joy Rogan on some points that, you know, the kids nowadays, the poor bastards are lost in the fog of work so much that they will just about take any case to make an argument about it. In Australia, this kid identifies as a cat. The school thought it was ridiculous, and uh, suddenly we have lawyers jumping in to argue for the kid's uh, human right to identify as a cat. I mean, I know it sounds ridiculous, I know it sounds shit, but hey, that's reality. So this lawyer who is based in the USA uh, put up, like, her Twitter handle, she was following us, and we were, you know, following her back, and uh, from the past one year, what I've seen is that her uh, Twitter handle is basically this wench of everything which is wrong with men, in general, Sikh men. Mm. And basically what it turns out is that uh, when she was younger, she might have been a... to show solidarity with it. perfect i am this you know angelic being showing solidarity with abuse by cutting off my hair and you're like well you know in our faith we don't do that you're calling yourself a Sikh and then cutting off your hair to show solidarity like you know where do you draw the line between actually expressing a genuine desire for solidarity helping someone and then just virtue signaling in the worst way possible what exactly is solidarity to begin with? Exactly, exactly. So afterwards, what happened is that she's put up this uh, tweet, like, you know, all you people, something along the lines are so damn sad that you pick on me just because my marriage didn't work. And, you know, something in that tweet actually did say that, uh, what can I do about it? And uh, I was on the Twitter handle that night and I shared it. 
and I quote tweeted it saying, well, maybe not make a big deal about it on social media. Okay. I'll, I'll <laughs> tell you something. Yeah. I'll tell you something. Okay. I really like mangoes, yeah? Okay. <clears throat> so in my childhood, we had a huge mango tree. And it was always the target of, let's say, miscreants who wanted to steal my mangoes, yeah? Okay. So it happened every summer. They will come and steal. Maybe like three out of ten times we'll catch them, we'll beat them up. Yep. Their complaint was you beat them up because we're poor. <laughs> so to them, this was the only reason why you beat them up. It wasn't that they were thieves and stealing my property, I could say. No. If there was a rich guy stealing your mangoes, you wouldn't beat him up. I don't even know you're poor. For me, you're just a, another thief. Oh, exactly. I mean, it's and you see it where the uh, most liberal governments take over that you can't uh, punish criminals because they're humans at the end of the day. Well, if there are no uh, you know penalties for the actions they do, well, that's just a free for all. I mean, for <laughs> take a good damn example here, bro, in New Zealand, Jacinda, crimes gone exponentially up under her watch. And she's still uh, harping on about showing love and expressing uh, sim expressing sympathy for society's uh, most affected individuals. But legally speaking, I mean, they have this new system and it's kids getting into cars and ram raiding shops. And, you know, the youngest is 13 and one of them got caught and he said, well, hey, you can't do much to me. I'm 13. You have to let me go. He already knew he was trained. Well, that's it's the thing is that when responsibility stagnates, when you're taking away responsibility, of course you're going to get incidents like this, aren't you? And really, when people don't want to have responsibility for their lives, as bitter as this is, they will wash their dirty laundries on social media in the name of Saki. I think we had coined this term, S-I-N-O, seeking name only. Yep. I think that fits. Sino, seeking name only. Yes. And uh, moving on from there, I mean, so she was pretty angry about it and uh, going berserk. And I told her, well, hey, at the end of the day, it's your life. So if you want to go out and shout about it and get criticized for it and then keep on whinging about it, you're stuck in this loop. It's your life you're wasting and, you know, hopefully you continue that way because you don't want to see the reality. But that sort of convinced me that maybe we need to look at some other things as well, because many, especially these so-called Sikh feminists, have this pathological hatred of Sikh men. Have you noticed that? Unfortunately, I have. No, it's not even pathological. It's ingrained. It is ingrained and it is hardcore ingrained and i mean it's almost like we want to be the same as men we want to be in the same stats as men i mean okay look one of the main things which always surprises me is that are females represented highly in prison populations or males uh overrepresented males yeah and also if you are a woman you will get lesser sentence for the exact same crime Sometimes you won't even be charged. 
So why does no one want any equality down there? Why is no one arguing for the fact that, hey, well, women should all also be getting the same circumstances? Well, in your field, how many female carpenters are there or female plumbers or bricklayers? Totally zero. So isn't that easier to have equality in that field? Or you will have equal number of board of directors, male and female or CEOs? It's, it's, it's the same thing, you know? What's stopping you from starting your own company and, be and becoming the CEO of it? What's stopping you? No, I want you to build the empire and put me up top as the monarch. It's basically stolen valor, if you think about it, that we don't want to have the Khalsa's military discipline, but hey, we're Dilsaf and we should get the same prerogatives. <laughs> well, man, that's unfortunately true. It's happening. It is happening, and this is where we need to uh, revert back to traditional, you know, Khalsa values. But moving on from there, and, you know, something which I've seen is that many of the uh, European and American, you know, ethnically white women are actually beginning to uh, reject what feminism has become nowadays. I mean, I've read this book called uh, Irre Irreversible Damage. It's on my desk even as we speak now. It is by Abigail Shirayer now. It's about the trans craze in the modern world, and I know she's been labeled as transphobic, but she's actually, you know, backing herself up with scientific research. And you can see that in the UK, Tavistock has shut down, and now the tide is beginning to turn, and people are actually, you know, calling the situation what it is, gender dysphoria, which has been over-commercialized by medical uh, companies seeking to make a quick buck, and they're misleading kids into becoming, you know, transgenders. Now, irrespective of the fact it's their own decision, once you start going on puberty blockers, even if you're an adult, you have been through puberty, you need to take those blockers like a Lupron to prepare your body for the surgical uh, procedures. You are essentially killing your fertility. That is something redeemable. You can't get your fertility back. In Australia, there, because I've seen it on news and I saw a video of it, there are young healthy young people voluntarily getting vasectomies and tying the tubes because they, they say that there's simply too many people in the world so i don't want to increase the population the fact is it's just that people are not brave as they used to be and this is what you need to consider now that you know when the gurus founded sikhi they didn't really do it on the basis of general equality and you know utopianism they did it on the basis of the fact that well look Life is hard. Hukam is reality. Hukam stipulates that life is hard. Just shut the hell up and get on with living it. I mean, there were no promises made that, you know, you would uh, come back after death. See, here's another interesting, uh, you know, aspect we need to discuss here is that we are generally looking for the exit route, right? We, want, we are used to having that escape pod. Stuck on a ship, about to sink you got the lifeboats stuck on a plane yeah you're wishing that you get lucky and you just you know have the life jacket on and you're able to survive crashes and i mean planes are designed to the fact that at least the pilot can save as many people as possible even if they crash land into the water i don't know what the stats are like i don't want to be in a plane and i hope no one is on such a plane which has to land in the water anyhow we are used to the exits which right we are used to escaping and this mentality is taken from religion itself. So when Guru Nanak came to the world, you know, when he saw religion, he saw it as a big joke. 
What do you say, Guru Nanak said that all religions lead to God? Of course he said it. And he also told us to waste all our resources on our enemies. Uh, just for the listeners, that was sarcasm. <laughs> I think I should tweet more to get the people <laughs> to know my sense of humor. It's dark. <laughs> it's really dark. And, you know, if you think about it, the Abrahamic religions say that, you know, you die, you live once, but you die and you get resurrected, right? Uh, in Abraham, I think it's the judgment day thing. You, you go to heaven or hell. But you do have that shot at coming back. Now, the issue with that is that the strands which promote this more aggressively are Islam and Christianity. Every time the Mughals persecuted the Sikhs, every time the Islamists persecuted the Sikhs and they told them, well, you know, you need to become Muslims. You know, even Guru Arjan asked them this question, what happens if I become a Muslim? And they said, well, basically the thing is that, you know, you get to live after you die. And he said, okay, I get to live. And they said, yes. And he said, that's the basis of divinity for your religion. And they said, yeah, that's why we answer our religion is divine. So, you know, Arjun asked them that you say you have to die to be resurrected. They said, exactly. Christians say you have to be die to be resurrected. They said, yeah. Vaguely speaking, even Hinduism has something the same, the Vedic faiths that, you know, you reincarnate, but you have to die to come back. And they said, yeah. So if all your religions are saying you need to die in the first place, wouldn't the true cornerstone of divinity be that there is a religion which you believe in and you don't have to die even once in that religion? Going back to the, the example by Belmar, then why don't you kill yourself? <laughs> and I'm not asking if, anybody to, but that's a video I've, I've seen from Belmar. And it was a very famous one. So basically, the way you see this victimhood, which is beginning to pervade society, it has one sole point of origination, and that is religion. Mm, okay, so let's uh, go to the other side of the coin. Do you know who were the Kulaks? I understand they were a significant minority in Iran, Russia. You could say Southwest Russia around the modern day Ukrainian Russian grassland steppe. Yep. So they were farmers, like large landholding farmers, and the, and the so called Bolshevik revolutionaries, I mean revolutionaries, they told the peasants that you are poor because they are rich. And what was done to those kulaks, you can't even imagine, beyond brutality. Well, of course, those, those socialists were known for this thing. But yeah, it's an example. So even in that ideology, you say you are the victim and they are the oppressors. You are bad because they have got something for themselves. You know? They live, live, let's say, compared to you, a better life. Uh, you got a point down there when the center of victimhood comes in and that's why the gurus say that ego is such a dangerous uh, such a dangerous uh, facet of life which you need to get rid of because basically immorality stems from ego you know and we Sikhs uh, experienced this didn't we in the 80s mm -hmm. I mean Pav Singh has written a very comprehensive book about what happened in Delhi and beyond after uh, Indra Gandhi was shot dead 
And you can draw parallels with what happened in Nazi Germany, how Hitler basically made out the Jews to be evil, but the you know targeted pog like the pogroms, you can say, the targeted killings, and it's actually all from people who are trying to seek sympathy, who actually believe they're victims, because that inner voice inside them, that voice of inner victimhood, is saying that you are victims, and you know that inner voice. Anything goes wrong in your life, it says, "Why me." Right. True, true, true. Why me? Why have I been chosen for this fate? But, you know, in special operation teams and the military and otherwise, you're actually taught to turn that around. And not many people can do it. The teaching itself is lacking, but it's similar, you know, to what the Sikh approach is. You need to turn it around from why me to what now? What can I do? Now, one of the uh, listeners we have is actually a uh, American, uh, a white person, I'll be blunt. And I had a discussion with him about the same thing. And he said, well, if someone is born poor in a third world country, if they think they're going to be poor for the rest of their life, why them? If they listen to that inner victimhood, do you really think they're going to become a trailblazer or they're just going to become another eventual statistic in a crowd similar to them well i, I would say that if they are in a crowd they feel okay i'm if I, I if i'm poor so they're poor so they find some kind of let's say s- sympathy in it some kind of insulation in it not, not insulation solution okay i'm not the only loser here so it's all right yep but if that same person despite, yep despite their handicaps Decides, well, you know what? I might be born poor, but I'm better than this and struggles to ascend from their circumstances and they do something with their lives. They do become successful against all odds because their mentality was that I'm not a victim. Don't they act as a conduit for others like them who want to rise out of the quagmire? I'll give you an example. Not too far from me, there's a guy, well, in UP, yeah? Yep. He's from a, a very simple farming family, so not rich, but not dirt poor either. Yep. He he became a driver in the city. He, he drove for a, he drove like a truck for a factory. He did a lot many jobs. Today he's a cement dealer and he's living a better life. Hmm. Yeah. So I think he moved from many jobs to a job where he found success and he's living living a good life. Now he's got a new house. His his kids go to a really good school. He's got like two cars and everything. So he's living in a, compared to his entire village, he's living a good life. And all of that was achieved because he chose to work hard. Maybe he had a plan. I don't know, but that's what I've, I've observed in the past six or seven years. And that is due to the Sikh values he has? He said, okay, this is what I have. I don't like it. So how do I make this better? I think the problem with their people is, especially with exposure to the West, we've actually started thinking that life owes us something. Mm, say it again, please. You got disconnected there. Uh, I think that with exposure to the West, to this... Look, essentially, we have been given the luxury of choice. Would you agree? The luxury of choice, yeah. And that has emasculated us to a degree where we actually think life owes us something. There could be a link there, yeah. 
but life doesn't owe us anything. Ah, oh, just free air, that's it. <laughs> well, pretty much that's what happens when, you know, what Hagru makes you, you're given that clean slate and end of the day you're born and well, yeah, you go ahead and do with your life what you have to. Reality is that you receive the fruits of your endeavors. It's all up to you to do what you need to do. If somebody else goes to the gym, can you get a buff body? Definitely not. Then how can you improve your life if somebody else is working out and you're not? Well, exactly. I mean, see, when they say, when she was saying my marriage didn't work and just washing her dirty laundry in the open, I mean, someone would have said, well, you know, what's it to you? But I mean, I just had enough of the whinging going around. And then you see down there everything that seek men are like this, seek men are like that. I wouldn't be surprised if they get to a stage where they decide we need to wipe Sikh men out. But you know, this is not to say that Sikh men are very innocent or pure themselves. But, you know, sometimes it takes, it does take two to clap, right? The issue is I didn't even know she had a failed marriage. Now I do. So at the end of the day, what was the whole intent of that thing? Uh, according to her, it was to get help. Well, she got help, yeah, didn't she? She's just a lawyer, not, yeah? Yep, just not the sort she wanted. So she advises others? Yep. Ah, okay. Got it. <laughs> a lawyer you need to avoid. Well, we wish her all the best and uh, <laughs> hope she improves her life. But it is kind of kind of, kind of laughable and, and at the same time it's sad. Yeah, yeah, and it is sad, but at the end of the day, there's many more like them as well. And what it comes down to is that one of the uh, boys from Kashmir was telling me that basically the Sikh identity is made more pressing on men by families rather than girls, and girls are given free reign to do whatever the hell they want. And one of the arguments which was made against that is that, you know, Sikh men aren't masculine enough. And then Sikh boys are making the argument that Sikh women aren't feminine enough. But one of the things which the Kashmiri uh, boy pointed out was that both sides are pointing fingers at each other and an impartial observer can see what's happening, that, you know, there might be a point to those allegations. But then that's why a, is it... Uh, I beg your pardon? That's a classic symptom of stagnation. Yep. But then here's my question. Why is it made imperative on men to step up and not women? Well, provided you believe they're equal. Yeah, I do. I, I believe they're equal. So why is it that one isn't stepping up and the uh, other is just, you know, expected to go out and kill themselves? Oh, well, uh, does equality mean that... Uh... I get to contribute everything and you don't get to do anything. You just need to exist there and be equal. I have to prove myself to be equal. See, there are two ways you can tackle the situation. Number one, in my view, is that because they're equal, then it's not all men, but women need to help out too and, you know, usher in the changes they want to see. Right? That's step number one. Step number two we don't expect anything of women because they're less competent than men. Therefore, it's down to men 
as there is no equality between the genders and that then hampers what they believe Sikhi to be. Now, I'll tell you this much at least. Gender equality as a concept in Sikhi is that both genders have different roles, different duties, but both respect those different roles and duties, right? One is not lower than the other just because their roles are different. Do you agree with that? It's, I know I know it's a pretty offensive uh, assessment to many people, but I'm just putting it out there. Different roles, different duties, but they are all equal. Mm, that, that's a very deep topic in itself, but I will say this. Do you want to be equal or do you want to be free? I believe that freedom in this case will re uh, lead to them becoming feral, both boys and girls, whereas equality will also entail responsibility. Do you believe responsibility comes before rights? I do. I do. Same here. Same here. Yep. And the right to retain the Kirpan, the retire, right to retain Shastras was always given to the most veteran of the Sikhs, you know. That's the thing. Uh... I learned this little late in my life, I would admit this, but responsibilities come before right. I have to fulfill my responsibility and then I'll be in a position to ask you, hey, what are you, what are you doing? What are you up to? Inner victims can't do that. People who listen to their inner victims cannot do that. They will never be able to do it. And that's why I'm saying that religion becomes their escape point, basically, that, well, you know, it's Adam's fault. It's someone else's fault. It's the infidel's fault. It's the fault of your past karma, which you can barely remember, or it's that lower caste individual's fault or higher caste individual's fault. Basically, in a way, if you look at Pai Gurdas, I know there's that argument that Sikhi is Abrahamic faith or Atharmic faith. Pai Gurdas basically says Sikhi is outside both. All these faiths are just on the same pile of garbage, which they claim each other to be on. Hmm. Right. And from there, if you look at it, the uh, getting back to the boys and girls aspect, at least. So, you know, two steps we have either boy for equal and push their weight or either then one is equal and well, one is more supreme than the other. And then that one pull their weight and get whatever prerogatives they want because the other isn't equal. What you don't get to do is believe in equality whilst simultaneously finger pointing at one gender in particular. And there are only two genders and not more than two genders. Let's get that out of the way first. It's the same thing. Can you define a woman? You're not a biologist, but I'm still asking you to do it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like when Biden put up that post that, you know, the Republicans have uh, pissed off American women, something along those lines, and people asked him underneath innocently, well, do they, uh, well, do the Democrats even know what a woman is? <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the reality of today. That is the reality of today. So if you're going to blame, you know, let's just say you're going to blame boys or men, you may as well just admit you think they're superior to women because women haven't got it in them to uh, change anything themselves and need men to do it. And that's exactly the problem with Sikh feminists. The more you say that Sikh men need to be, uh, you know, have to be impelled 
compelled into making those changes. I mean, first thing first, they can't actually force anyone to make changes. They're just basically a dying movement at the moment. The most they can do is block you and claim that you're being a negative influence on their lives and throw in buzzwords like toxic and maybe decolonization. End of the day, though, if you look at the whole uh, thing, the more they blame men, it's like they think men are superior, if you know what I mean. They're basically Although, basically signaling that they themselves are inferior. Well, there's always something wrong with the knees. <laughs> Because they keep complaining about their mis misogyny or something. Pretty much. And, you know, many of them would say that men are to blame for everything. Well, they do. Yep. They do say that. Yeah. So let's just be autistic here for a minute, right? Autistic. Okay, let's go ahead. <laughs> Artistically logical, okay, for a minute. Let's let's just take the blunt logic. So if men are to blame for everything and the Sikh feminists are lesser, doesn't that make the Sikh feminists less accountable for the state of the Pant and civilization? It seems to be that way. Then doesn't it more mean that you know, they're basically implying that they have a lesser role anyhow in running these both entities. True. So there is one group, males, who are accountable for the state of civilization and the bunt they're responsible for its success or failure. Mm -hmm. Then there is another group that is not responsible for the state of the civilization and bunt. So does this sound equal to you? Put it this way. Do you not always complain to a higher authority? You do. There you go. So one group is clearly burdened with much greater responsibility than the other. Uh, well, that is true, but I, th I think... Uh... I don't know where it comes from, but I've, I've heard it. That a guy said, right. go outside and look around you. Everything around you was built by a man. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Basically, pretty much that's what Sikh feminists are actually implying, despite their best efforts, that one group, which is males, is clearly lumbered with much greater burden than the other. So why would you exclusively confine these burdens to a group if that group isn't more competent or otherwise better suited to enduring a greater level of stress and complexity than the other? Well, why complain about men to begin with if you believe that patriarchy, patriarchy is oppressive? So we just, they basically, not us, they, they spend their whole lives shitting on men's egos, telling them they're the reason for everything that's wrong in the world, while simultaneously protecting their egos because they're women's by telling themselves they're just as good and valuable as a man, if not more so, despite dis demanding less of themselves. You see where the irony down here is? You mean iron clothes or something? A woman's <laughs> joke? <laughs> no, it's a joke, man. Don't kill me. It's a joke. Right. Here's something you need to look at. Women are weaker and must be protected. That's what Sikh feminists are implying. They're also equal in value. And men can't succeed without women. And that's where the Sikh feminists take credit. 
but societal failures are down to men. It's almost like they come and live in your house rent-free and then criticize you for not uh, apparently giving them VIP service. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Sir Isaac Newton uh, died loveless, if I might say that. He dedicated his entire life to science. He even nailed his own eye to understand the optics. Hmm. Was which woman was behind his success? What do you have now due to the inner victimhood? And the inner victimhood finds, you know, expression through religion. And that's the Sanatan crew as well, the Sanatan Sikhi crew with the reincarnation bait and all that. They've made a whole bunch of, you know, inner victims anyhow come into the faith who are looking always to the next world and they don't care about this world at all. And these are the types who end up converting to other religions. See, like one of the uh, reports which came in from Punjab for us at least was that, you know, one of our team members actually encountered a Christian missionary and they were trying to sell him all these uh, goodies about getting to the West and making his kids do IELTS and paying for it. And basically he pointed out, well, hey, at the end of the day, I've actually risen from poverty and made something of myself. I'm not interested. They left him alone after a few minutes when they saw this guy isn't interested. Now, Basically, he argued with them that if something was wrong with society, he would make it correct. That's the key. The ones who are converting do not believe that is the key. They believe Sikhi is something in the next world and not this world. That's why whenever anyone offers them a lollipop of, you know, salvation or, you know, we will do right by you in this world and the next world, they run for it straight away. It's their inner victims dominating them. It's just because they haven't been taught better by our preachers. Well, the preachers are more interested in making money. Yep. And you look at the Abrahamic faiths, and that's why people are leaving them as well, because, you know, by and by the ex-Christians who listen to us from the USA who want to become Amritari Khalsas, that's what they're telling us as well, that basically it's all about belief and that belief leads you to a next world. But at the end of the day, all these groups, if you look at them, always protect themselves. And it's the same with Sikh feminists, same with the inner victimhood among them, is that you get this protected class that receives a high level of respect despite being held to a low social standard. I'm just going to tell you a very, very simple joke that you can't take a banana from, from a monkey by giving him a promise of endless bananas in the paradise. You can take more than a banana from a human. You can take your dignity with that. You can take the entire property, bro. And what it really comes down to simply is the fact that there is this inner victimhood among people. Okay. Advise me on this. Right. I live in UP. Indians are not known for having, let's say, great driving discipline on the road. I drive a lot, and every single day, I let's say, I dodge accidents, let's say. Yep. What should I do? Should I become a victim and say, okay, these people don't know how to drive, I'm, I'm going to give up driving? Hmm. What should I do? Why should you give up driving? Because it's other people's fault that they're making the, the road dangerous for me. So why should you allow them to control your life? Because I'm a victim. 
So you know what this reminds me of? Tell me. Have you heard about Nora Vincent? Uh, the author? Uh, no, the feminist. Uh, I'll say no. She was actually... Oh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Is this the same woman who pretended to be a man for like a year or two? Yeah, and she killed herself. In the end, because of depression, yeah? Because of depression, because she realized she was way off kilter, that the uh, society she was with had uh, augmented her inner victim, exacerbated its uh, hates and fears to such a degree that she had become a misandrist pretty much. But ultimately, when she started living as a man to prove that all men were naturally hypocrites, she just couldn't take it. To all the females listening, I'll just say this. Check how many messages and, let's say, likes and comments you get on social media and go to maybe ask your brother or, or husband or whatever and check, check, check them. The, the difference is night and day. It is a night and day difference. It is keenly a night and day difference. And, you know, you can see it at the end of the day that society, the way society is now, Guru Nanak would be fighting against it. No, 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 they will straight up uh, imprison Granada. They'll cancel him because uh, he will tell them the truth and they wouldn't like the truth. They definitely would not like the truth. But this inner victim, the sense of inner victimhood, if you start criticizing it, if you start speaking against it, this fog of work suddenly comes for you as well. And that's when even armed struggle becomes natural. Okay, the issue is if... People like this outnumber you. How do you expect to succeed? You need to hit their nerves where it hurts them the most by exposing them as hypocrites, their beliefs, their philosophies, their ideologies. That's what you need to expose. Well, then they will come for your head. Sometimes it's better to give your head to preserve the heads of others. Doesn't that define, let's say, describes what happened to Guru Sahib's? You also need to leave a very strong, solid uh, philosophical foundation for the continuity of what it is that you believe, for the truth. Oh, uh, we have alternative facts today. So truth is no longer the truth. Your truth or my truth? <laughs> Why goose truth? <laughs> well, we... Oh. Okay, let's let's sit down the Brahmins and Mullahs who tried killing uh, Guru Nanak, Guru Angad, Guru Amardas, and Guru Ramdas. Get the executioners of Guru Arjun. Get the commanders who faced off with Guru Hargobind Sahib Ji. And get Aurangzeb and all these others who have massacred, persecuted, and killed the Sikhs up till today. Let's get them down and sit them in the same room as many of these are. Uh, woke liberal Sikhs and uh, Sikh feminists or Sikh progressives and upgrades and whatever they call themselves. So let's just get everyone into the same room. They will all have the same argument that we were harassed or we were uh, insulted by the Sikhs and their gurus. That's why we decided to fight against them. They offended us. They offended us. Uh, verbal violence, if I might say. 
See, for the uh, democracy lovers, the upgrades that will be that we got offended by Guru Gobind Singh Ji saying keep a kirpan and never saying that it's temporary or permanent, you know. And that's why we oppose it. And the others will be like, no, there's Pujari Vadi and Masarangar will say, well, the Sikh started it with the kirpan. You will see after three hours, all those individuals inside that room will be on the same page that Sikhi is a problem. Why? Because Sikhs don't have inner victims. They don't listen to their inner victims. They destroy their inner victims. But we do. Why do you think Baba Nanak was farming himself near the end of his life? He had a lot of followers. He could have just, you know, sitting in the shade of a tree and the, all these Sikhs would have been doing the farming. He had a lot larger estate, but a very large farm, if I might say. Hmm. Why? That's, that's the question for the listeners. See, he was but, being responsible, in my opinion. That's what I think. Yep. Oh, maybe he wanted to keep his body fit or something. I don't know. But from a, a different perspective, he was a very, very responsible person. That, that's what I believe. We all know that. And uh, I think his, his, daily, his daily life and his daily actions reflected that. And this is just one of those reflections. Well, you know, someone who doesn't actually listen to the inner victim, if someone comes and tells them, well, you know, that our prophet is, you know, the final prophet, you must listen to him, you will be resurrected after death, our message has come down before, they'll basically ask, well, how perfect is that message that it needs to be delivered over and over again? And who certified to you? You're the final yeah, you sure this guy's the final one? What if the Nashka abrogation doctrine is used to say that, no, now after him, there's going to be another guy. I'm just about to reveal a better guy. Or someone comes and says that, you know, uh, after dying, you will re uh, receive mukti from reincarnation. And they'll quote, but the Bani Shabbat, that who has, you know, achieved salvation after dying? Who has come back to tell us? That's what but the Bani asked all the Brahmins and Mullahs. He was walking along and they knew his reputation, so they cornered him and ganged up on him and said, well, Benny, come and sit down. We will tell you how to be liberated after death. And he said, well, who's come back to tell us they got liberated after death? Why give up this life for just a promise of a better life? You know, you need to struggle in this life to make it better. You just can't keep on taking pot shots. You need to struggle to make it better. It can't be just blame men or women for it. No, I just blame the capitalists, bro. They're the <laughs> evil ones. See, on Ang 657 to 658, Pakh Ravi Das has a Shabad. You know, you remember that Shabad? Mm -hmm. What it is basically is when our inner victims are present, then you, the maker who controls reality, does not exist. Now that you are present, your reality is present. The inner victim does not exist. The wind raises great waves in the ocean, but what is the wind raising if not water? So, this is addressed to the creator by Bhakti What can I say of such elaborate phenomena? What we mistakenly believe does not even exist. It is similar to the emperor who fell asleep while ruling from his throne and dreamt he was a beggar. His empire was intact, but he suffered in sorrow while attached to the illusion of his dream. Such is my state as well. Like ropes mistaken for serpents, the mystery has been illuminated to me. The fake jewelry I mistook for gold. Now knowing my mistake, I do not know what to assume. 
the one maker pervades all and permeates all over creation. Ravi Das has realized that his maker is more closer to him than his limbs. What exists does exist. Mm-hmm. Everything around us is intact, but the inner victim does not allow us to see it. It makes our worst fears, you know, overtake us. And from those worst fears, it's easy for anyone who can exploit them to take control of us and put us on a very destructive path. Would you say that most people across the world have basic similar needs or wants? Yeah, you can say that. Okay, I want to be healthy. Okay. I wish for the well-being of my family. Okay. I want the success of my business or whatever I'm doing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I want to I want uh, me myself to live a long happy healthy life same for my children same for my family and everything yeah. Yep. So if you are given an option let's say okay these are like five or six fates to address the same issue of your wishes they got different ways to do it. So okay. if from if you jump from A to B and B to C and C to D how much different is really there in between all those options not much if you have to go towards the uh, mecca to say okay please bless me with give me your blessings or whatever good life happy life or you pray pray to the holy trinity or you believe in reincarnation or you praying to some babaji to bless you that you can pass this test or something what's the difference nothing Nothing. It's a simple question. It's a simple question, but what exactly is the difference? Can you do uh, an a counterpart for the let's say for the sake of health of your family? Can you? I know where you're coming from. I know it's because you have this innermost desire, this inner hubris about getting the easy way. That's how you end up fucking up and falling into these traps. This is exactly what I mean. All those things are, are exactly the same. They they got slightly slightly different ways ways or slightly different approaches to that to the solution, but it's, it's the same thing. See, end of the day, before we conclude, here's a shabad which answers all of inner victimhood. To destroy your inner victim, it's up to you. You need to do it yourself. It's a war with yourself. But this is is a shabad from Ang one hundred and eight, and it is by Guru Arjan. Soi karna je aap karave, soi karna je aap kare, jethe rakhe sa pali jaye, soi siyana so patavant, hukam lagge, jis mitha jiyo. Now, what it really is, the way they translate it is God does everything, Wahiguru does everything, uh, wherever he keeps you, be happy with that, accept hukam. In a way, it does sort of confirm to the essence of the Shabbat, but then this Shabbat is more proactive than what they tell us. And what it really means is that whatever it is you want to do, do it yourself. Wherever we reach or are put as a result of our endeavors, that is for our own benefit. Only those individuals can be considered intelligent and dignified who accept reality as being sweet. What it's really saying is do something for yourself and learn from it but do not allow your inner victim to take you over. Can a victim wake up happy? Never. 
<laughs> Why not? Well, I mean, they're professional victims at the end of the day. Maybe they wake up and think, who's going to oppress me today? There is a significant difference between who's going to oppress me today and then wanting to be oppressed by someone today, if you know what I mean. Uh, I think it's kind of a social currency, would you say? Well, society has made oppression mainstream. If you're living a normal, uh, happy life, you're boring. If you're somebody here, everything's fine. My, my job is fine. My business is fine. My, my family's all good here. Yeah, fine. Like, what a boring guy. You say, no, I, I can't eat gluten. Something wrong with you? No, uh, I can't eat gluten. <laughs> Why? You, you don't have the disease. You're not celiac. No, it's fashionable. <laughs> and people, people fiend being depressed. People, no. see a video, people see a video yep. on their phone, let's say, of an animal getting hurt or something, and they cry about it. Oh, God, I mean, <laughs> who, who was that Who was that idiot a while back who was crying about Britney Spears? Like, leave Britney alone. No, no, no. <laughs> that, that was a guy, and that was satire. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So I apologize to the guy, but then he must have made a lot of people actually cry. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really get this sort of stuff at the end of the day that you go in a shop and destroy someone's uh, products just because you're a bloody vegan. I mean, what the hell? And then when they get punched in the face, they cry, cry about it all the time. And they're like, oh, this to the cops. We got assaulted. <laughs> well, you know the leather belt on the cop's waist? <laughs> That's animal product as well. Uh I think it was it was in some mass chef kind of thing. I don't know in which country. Uh, there was served a secret dish. It was human flesh. Said so that we just want to uh, break down the the barrier or something. The, 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 the social stigma. Can you imagine that? Why, Guru? <laughs> I'll send you the link afterwards. I'll have to find it. Find it. I think I'll, I will find it because I wasn't too long ago. It should should still be up there. You know, funnily enough, before we conclude down here, if you want to defeat your inner victim, it's up to you. No one else can do it. Definitely not people on social media. They just look at you asking for help and make a tamasha out of it anyway. Second thing, I have a confession to make. I know you will be offended as well. I know the listeners will be offended. Uh, I've just been feeling very bad in my body since the day I was born. You know, I exercise quite a lot. I do martial arts, but I'm coming out now and saying it loud and clear. I'm trans fat. My thoughts and prayers are with you. Please respect me before my, <laughs> please respect me before I starve myself to death. <laughs> it's and... fault of those, all those damn pakoras at the Gurdwara, the free ones. I'm gonna go again and splurge on them and I'll come back as a obese fat rock and you can call me Humpty the Hippo and my trans fatness will have achieved me for liberation and the gurus would have fought for me because they stood up for trans fat people in the past as well. Now gurus are for oppressed people. They fought for them. All kind of oppressed people, bro. All kind of oppressed people. Maybe we'll have our, our first obese super superhero or something. 
Is there one? Mm, I mean, the earth hasn't shaken yet, but yeah, we might get there soon enough. Maybe they will turn uh, Big Chungus into a superhero. As a concluding remark from me, the inner victimhood trend which we have where the inner victim is listened to more than anyone else where it's beginning to take over our society, our religion, our politics, it's not going to end anytime soon. Get ready for a near clash in the future. Which side you will be on is up to you. We're on the Guru's side. We will always oppose it. Why do you think that is that victimhood is rewarded massively today? I have no clue, to be honest. I mean, it's a big topic to be. I can I can make up a rational summary, but I have no other clue. Do you think people are too, too afraid to speak the truth when somebody is acting offended or pretending to be a victim? Okay, what exactly does a real victim look like? Well, I'm not fat. there's a person and that person let's say he was just now walking on the street a drunk driver hit him from behind now he's got a broken leg might yep. might take a few months for him to walk again yep. but he won't be he won't ever be the same yep that guy is indeed a victim of a drunk driving accident yes but can that guy accept the reality? Okay, this thing has happened to me. It wasn't my fault. My leg is broken. I can't be as adventurous or as athletic as before. But yep. this is the new reality I have to live in. And at that point, you cease being a victim. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's a, it's in your hands. Uh, who was that guy? Uh, I think that's a guy in 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 the Indian Army uh, during the Kargil War. He he lost a leg, but he, then he became a blade blade runner. Yeah, I forgot his name. He's been on TV multiple times. Sorry. Yeah. So, and of course, our uh, American listeners can enough probably they knew knew at least one person who who has been to war, been to a foreign country, and uh, has suffered physically, and people. Simply choose to move on, live a new reality. I've got a broken arm. I know, I know that my, my my left arm is weaker than my right arm, but that's a reality. I have to live it. I never complain. I, I swim a lot. I, I do a, a lot of things physically. Oh yeah, I'm all right. Just have to move on. You know, as Guru Nanak says, people curse beggars by begging one dollars and not receive any honor. But but we can't even deny can't deny this fact. It's a fact that today victimhood is rewarded. People who are not even victims, they will get offended on your behalf. Well, I'll be more than happy as long as they don't eat on my behalf. Bro, I can't even crack a joke. <laughs> People will beat me up or something. I don't know. That's all for today. Thank you for listening to us.